Hi, everybody. Welcome to my session, my, tr my trudge through IT burnout and the fight to keep it at bay. My name's Eric Lee. I've been in IT for 24 years. I'm currently a senior enterprise architect with a very large healthcare company based out of Kansas City. I'm told I'm the weird guy in IT because I don't like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, or anything like that. I'm into a bunch of different things like dirt track racing, soccer, building things at home, and stuff like that. So a little bit of background about me. We're going to learn a lot more coming forward, uh, going forward. My first 15 years through IT, I'd only heard about IT burnout twice. Both times is when somebody in the community committed suicide. Outside of that, I never heard it. And even during those times when the suicide happened, we only heard it for you know four or five weeks, and then it kind of faded away. Through my career, as I've gone through IT burnout twice, to the point that I had physical issues because of it, I felt that it needed to become a part of the community, much like technical help with each other was. It needs to be out there. We need to talk about it more and stuff like that. We haven't been doing that. So I decided to put my journey out there, what I've gone through, and how I'm working on it every day and get it out to where everybody else can see that it's not just themselves and learn from what I've done. Starting out, I grew up in a blue collar family. Uh, I had two brothers. I have 22 cousins of which all but one are boys. Uh, we were rough and tumble, lots of activities. My parents got married at an early age at 18, had my older brother when they were 19, my younger brother and myself, you know, a few years after that. They were always working. We were free range, playing, always busy, you know, probably didn't go to bed as early as we should, but it was a lot of fun. As I got older, I got into other sports and activities. I helped build the race car, the yellow one, from the ground up with my best friend. We went and picked that out of the junkyard. Uh, we borrowed his dad's flatbed truck to go get it without telling him. Uh, we gutted it, built the roll cage, built the motor, put everything in it ourselves. Also, I was playing on a competitive soccer club. We were traveling all around the, the Midwest playing uh, tournaments. I also was played on the Olympic development team for Kansas and made it to regionals a couple times as well too. So I was always very, very busy growing up. As I moved on to college and moved away from home, my dad gave me $20 for gas and said, good luck, son. So when I left, I was on my own financially, physically. And as I said before, you know, we were running around doing a lot of stuff. I was on my own pretty much emotionally as well too. I played soccer for two years in college, paid my own way, worked full time while playing collegiate soccer. I do side jobs as well to get through. I then moved on to KU to finish my, co my college. Um, I worked full time still for this company that I was on the help desk for. I was on the uh, board of my fraternity. And one year I even had 11 W-2s. I just had to do whatever I had to do to be able to pay for room and board and everything else. I had numerous student loans as well, just to be able to get by. To say I was busy is an understatement. But as I've said before, being busy is not always burnout because that's just what I knew. That's what I did. Just because you're busy like that, it always depends on where you're at in your career and what's going on to, be, to, to know whether you're in IT burnout or not. I had no thoughts of IT burnout or anything around it, even though I was working in IT when I was doing that stuff. After college, the company I was working for got bought out. Um, they bought out four other companies in the United States. I started working on an Active Directory consolidation project across the United States for two years, and it went so well, they had me do it globally for the next two years. 
So for that four years, I spent 80% of my time traveling the world. Uh, I was kind of pissed I was paying rent because all I did was laundry and kind of stay there for the weekends and then I'd go again. I was home a little more than that as well too, but not a lot. During those weeks when we do migrations, if any of you guys have done some of that stuff, you know that it's very busy weeks. In a manufacturing company, you gotta cut everything over as quickly as you can so you're not impacting manufacturing. There's weeks where we worked 90 plus hours without batting an eye. Was it stressful? Yes, it was stressful. But as soon as you were done with that cut over and on the downside, you usually cut back on your hours. And if you had a good boss like I kind of did at the time, he would allow us to only work 30 hours that next week to kind of get your feet back under yourself. So just working long hours to me is not IT burnout by itself. Towards the end of working at that company, I noticed things have changed. After my project was done, we were working on a bunch of other projects. Um, most of them were either underfunded or we thought were funded and became underfunded. We noticed that morale for our team was going down, other good people were leaving. Our customers, other departments, did not like working with us anymore because we couldn't do their projects. If we tried to do their projects, they were not successful. It got so bad that the manufacturing department hired their own IT people, put in their own switches, put in their own servers, and did it all themselves because we wouldn't help get it done. And what came of light was that my manager, his job got shifted to where he pointed to the CFO, reported to them. So his bonus structure was tied on how much money he saved from the budget, not from did projects get done successfully. Mine were still tied to whether the projects got done successfully. So there was a conflict of interest there. I'd worked at the company for over 11 years by that time. As many of you know, if you work for a company that long, you kind of buy into it. You feel like you're a part of it. You feel like the projects that you've done are actually a part of you, right? Not just something I did and I handed off and I went off to the next thing. So this was very, very hard for me to deal with. Um, I was not happy. Uh, I was downright pissed, actually, that these other guys were putting in switches right next to ours putting in servers right next to ours, and doing all these cool things that we should have been doing for them. But to me, not liking my job or where I'm at by itself is not IT burnout, okay? Um, there's times where I don't like my job today, but I'm not burnt out because, because of it. Then one thing happened as I was there. My wife looked over at me one day when we were watching TV and she said, look at your hands. I was like, what are you talking about? And I looked down and my left hand is shaking like this. If I had the remote in that hand, it actually wouldn't have stayed in that hand, it was shaking so bad. And I had no idea what was happening. I looked at my right hand and it was shaking just a little bit, kind of like a nervous shake a lot of people might have if you got up like this to speak the first time. I was like, what the hell's going on? So she started asking me some questions. What are you thinking about? What are you doing? You know, I found out I was focusing on things at work, not just what I didn't get done, like relationships that we were having, like just all kinds of stuff. And I was so enamored by that stuff that I couldn't focus on the TV show that we were watching. Hell, I couldn't even tell you what that TV show was or what was going on. So over the next couple days, we finally started talking. As I told you earlier, I grew up in a family of all boys. Just like tech, which is primarily male, we don't talk about our feelings, neither did my family. If you weren't feeling well mentally or you were upset about something, we were told to go work 
go do a chore, go to whatever, and eventually you won't feel those feelings anymore and you'll be better, right? My wife comes from a family where they talk about everything. And so this relationship wasn't working very well when it comes to feelings and stuff like that. So finally we had to start talking about them. It got to the point I was having physical issues because of it. And what we found out is I was being overly snarky to my wife for the dumbest things ever, right? Not just normal sarcasm, which I speak as a first language, just stupid stuff, right? But I had no idea I was doing it. And it was actually wearing on her, but not enough that she would bring it up to me because she knows I don't talk about stuff like that. The other thing that we started realizing is that I couldn't focus on anything. You know, I'm not a very good reader, so that didn't like show up because I'm just not a very good reader. But what I did realize is when I'd read text stuff that I liked to, I could read a paragraph and I'd have no idea what I just read. Right? I'm just like focused through the page and just reading the words, but they're never getting into my brain. Um, I hated doing things like going to the movies anymore, mainly because I'd pay eight or 10 bucks to go to the movies and I'd have no idea what just happened because I'm still thinking about the crappy things at work and, and everything else. The worst thing is, is I'd find myself playing mind, Minesweeper for like two hours at a time and have no idea I was doing it, right? Or I'd peruse the internet and I'd have no idea what I was looking for or what I was looking at. I, I really had no idea what I was going. I would segregate myself from my friends. I was no longer wanting to go play volleyball and softball and play soccer and do all this other stuff I was doing. I'd really faded off into a deep state of depression that I didn't want to be around anybody. I'd go to work and go through those cycles. So what did I do about it? Well, working at a place for 11 and a half years, um, you're not sure what you can do, right? You have really good relationships at work. You're not sure who you can talk to or not. Um, you're not sure what, you're oper what you, you can really do outside of work. And in our industry, like I said, we don't talk. Well, finally I said, screw it. I'm getting out of this place. Changing a job has to be the fix for this. It's just as easy as that. And it turns out when I changed jobs, within about two weeks of being there, the shaking went completely away, right? So I was like, that's gotta be it, you know? And you think about it, but what did I actually change? Just the job. But in reality, that's nothing. People change jobs all the time now, right? That's not changing anything mentally that you're doing in your life. When I changed jobs, I happened to go to another company that just merged with another company. So here I am back again doing these back-end integrations again over and over again. Same type of stresses, same deadlines, same hours and stuff like that. Add into it that the company I went to is in the advertising industry. And this is in 2008. What happened in 2008? The recession, right? So most of our advertising dollars started dwindling. So our projects started getting defunded and stuff again. Back to where I was before. I started reflecting on that and thinking about what symptoms I had before to see if they were coming back again. And luckily this time, it didn't come back again. So just having those stresses alone is not IT burnout. There's a difference between stress and IT burnout. A new job opportunity came out about three years after that, and it was a, a guy I'd met, and he goes, hey, we're looking at getting into the CICD stuff. I'm looking for somebody who knows networking, storage, VMware, Windows, all this stuff, and, and I'd accumulated a lot of those, those things. He's like, we want to automate start to finish, and I'd already been automating a lot of stuff. I'm like, this is sweet. 
So I took the job and I went over there. And the first year we went from doing almost no automation to automating our full stack deployments and doing testing every 12 hours, right? And this was awesome. My job told me, my boss told me that 50% of my job is to go to whatever conference, research whatever products to help make us move faster. This was sweet. Best job I ever had, right? The VP, once he started seeing what we were doing, he gave us leeway to any amount of money, whatever we wanted, as long as we were progressing the business. Our developers were becoming more efficient. We were able to deploy ship product faster because we could get through testing faster. It was, it was awesome. Setting in meetings and everybody going, oh, you know, you just, you just automated that whole process. Now I don't have to do it five times a day. You saved me from doing all kinds of stuff. It was literally the best job I've ever had to this day. Towards the end of working there though, I had some friends from the previous job that were really, really good at what they do and they left and they went to Avar. They'd been recruiting me off and on. There was some management there that I'd met before I didn't really like. So I kept telling them no. Well, after we got to this point where we were doing fully automated stuff, we were getting it faster and faster, even less than 12 hours, um, it, things kind of slowed down. Um, and I actually skipped a slide here. Uh, one year at this place, we were putting on a conference in Orlando. And um, when we were down there, or about to head down there, I was setting up all the labs and I was responsible for not the content of the labs, but the lab infrastructure. So think the hands-on lab stuff here. Um, I had to do the front-end portal and all the lab infrastructure stuff. We decided to put it in the cloud. I worked with a cloud vendor for about three months to try to get it working and it wasn't working. Six days before I had to go to Orlando, I had to rack and stack a whole bunch of gear, get it on a truck, ship it down there just to make sure we had it as backup. My coworker looked over at me and said, hey, look at your hand. My hand was shaking again. Not as bad as previously, but bad enough that other people were noticing. I took a second and went back through those symptoms we talked about before. And luckily, I didn't have any of those other symptoms. I was still doing sarcastic things, but I wasn't being snarky and snippy. Um, I wasn't segregating myself. I was still going and hanging out with friends, doing activities. I was going to the movies again, um, doing stuff like that. Luckily, when I got to Orlando, I uh, contacted the vendor again and we started walking through our processes and I got a hold of one of the guys and we made the changes necessary and everything started working. Within about two hours, the shaking was completely gone and it never came back the rest of the week. And if you've ever seen the hands-on labs people running around, those guys are crazy busy and they put in a lot of hard hours to make this stuff work for all of us. So as I was talking about, I had a guy who's a couple guys, there was four of them that were recruiting me to come over to this VAR. They'd, I'd been talking to them about what I was doing. That whole bunch of customers that wanted to take the same CICD journey with me. I thought this is gonna be awesome. I can take everything I learned, I can educate customers, I'll learn from them as well too. This has gotta be the great thing to do. Talked to multiple people and they said, yeah, sure. I talked to other people and they said, I don't know if I would do that. You've talked how, about how much you like this job. I don't know if I would take that chance. But guess what? It worked last time to take another job and the time before that, it's gotta work out for me now. I haven't taken a job that I didn't like. It's gotta be good. Well, it was. The first nine months I was there it was phenomenal. I met a bunch of customers. I started them down the automation path, started getting them to actually talk to their developers and start doing some of those basic DevOps stuff that we've trying to been trying to talk about around here for a while. After about nine months though, two of the managers that I didn't like came back. 
And now all of these, old, these crazy processes started showing up. Things that I would not have my team do at all ever. Part of the things that I've heard about in the past that I didn't like. Um, I got called out in email internally to everybody for stuff that I had nothing to do. And then when the guy found out about it, there was no apology to me or to everybody else, like sent out to everybody else to let them know that I didn't do it. It was literally just like, oh, well, okay, you know, and I'm like, well, that's crap. And then if you've worked in sales or pre-sales, you know that you have a quota and your base salary is not usually that high and everything's based off your quota. Um, I lost half my account managers and they didn't change my quota. So, and they wouldn't do it. And this was in February. So I had the whole rest of the year that I was not gonna be able to make a single quota, which means it was gonna be about a 60% pay cut to continue working there. And I just couldn't handle that on top of everything else. About this time, depression really, really started seeping back into me. I started noticing all those symptoms again. And, and even worse, this time, I was thinking about that last job I just left to get here. I'd never taken a job where it didn't work out for me, like I said. Not only that, this time, I left the best job I've ever had in my life to go to this crappy place now, right? I couldn't get any of my work done because I'd continually focus on that last job. I would think about what I was doing there instead of writing statements of work. I would think about you know, this new technology that I just saw and how I could apply it over there instead of emailing my customers back or calling my customers back. I would go sit in a coffee shop and hide in the corner and just stare for hours at times and all I could think about was that last job and how much of a failure I was and how much my friends who told me not to go were right and I didn't want to hear I told you so. Those things just eat at you and eat at you and eat at you and eat at you. About this time through this process, this presentation, most people are asking me, and I'm hearing it, hey, he hasn't said anything about suicide except for before and himself. And let's talk about that for a second. I thought about suicide. I thought about it a lot. I spent hours sitting in my car thinking about it. But I thought about suicide the same way a lot of people think about taking an exotic trip. Hey, wouldn't it be go wouldn't it be cool to go to this like crazy island that's like way out in the middle of nowhere, yada, yada, yada. But then I never take the time to go to Travelocity to see what it might take to actually get there. That's what I would relate it to. I thought about it. I thought about how much better it'd be for me, how much better it'd be for work, how much better it'd be for my wife to not have to deal with me. But I never thought about it in the terms of how would I do it? What, should I go get this? Should I go do that? I never got to that point. And you don't have to get to that point to be in a deep depression or to be burnout, okay? Don't let yourself get to that point. So at this point, it's time to, it's time to move on. Something's gotta change. And so let's talk about what was the trigger for me for that change. Luckily, I had one friend of mine who just calls it the way it is, right? We all need one of those friends. I'm sitting with him having a couple beers at the bar TV's on, he's asking me questions. It's kind of like my kids nowadays, it went in one ear and went out the other and I wasn't answering him. Um, so I know how he feels now that I have kids. And um, he finally smacks me on the arm and is like, dude, what's going on? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I'm asking you all this stuff. 
you're not answering. What are you thinking about? And I'm like, man, I don't want to tell you. Like, you're just going to call me names and this and that, you know? So he kept prying and prying and prying. Finally, because I probably had three beers by this time, I said, I started telling him about how I left the job, about how I was depressed and all this other stuff. I should have never left that job. I was pissed off and all this other stuff. He turned around and looked at me and said, bullshit. Get over yourself. The job's gone. You can't change that now. Either make your new job the best one it's going to be or find another one. That point in time is exactly what I needed. I knew I needed other changes, but that was the tip of my iceberg to get me on that journey. I needed that one friend to just, not in a crazy way, but to just tell me the way it is. So after that, I went back and I started thinking. I needed a strategy. I needed to start somewhere. At this point in time in my life, I have six strategies I use to deal with IT burnout and depression. I didn't start with six. I started with number one. And over time, I've added each and every one of these. And at times, I've had to stop doing some of these and change them to something else. So let's go through these for a second. Support system. Number one thing I did is I got rid of all the negative people in my life. I hung out with some people that I thought I liked and I liked to be around. But all they did was bitch and complain every day about all kinds of stuff. And I didn't need that negativity to build on top of what I already have. So I got rid of those people. I got rid of the people that I wasn't sure if they would have my back if I really needed to talk to them. Okay? If I'm going to be vulnerable to you, I need you to be vulnerable back to me. And I have to trust you that you're going to keep what we talk about in confidentiality. The next thing I did was probably the second hardest thing I've done. And I had to talk to my boss. I had to let my boss know what my triggers were at work. You know, certain people, certain projects. If I get stuck on something, I tend to focus on it forever. And then I get kind of like, I can't, I can't do anything else, right? And, and he can recognize that in me, and he can stop me from doing that type of stuff. And he can also block out other things coming down the pipeline as well, too. I also needed him to praise me for things that I did get done in the right way, right? I didn't, I didn't want him praising me in public. I didn't want him doing that. I didn't need money. I personally just need somebody to come by and tell me that I did a good job, but not only that, but tell me why it was beneficial to the company. I buy into the company when I work at the company, and I needed to know that stuff to know why I was doing a good job, not just that I was doing a good job. And this was very, very hard because I didn't know how he was going to respond. Luckily, my boss has responded so well. He realized that if I was happier, I was going to be more productive. And if I'm more productive, I get more stuff done for him, which then makes his bonuses better and his bosses like him even more. And he's actually started implementing some of these talks that I have with him to the other people on our team, and it's made our team more productive as well, and our team talks better to each other as well. The next thing I did was I got organized. If any of you have seen Scott Lowe's blog post on Inbox Zero, he did it at Kansas City VMUG many years ago, and I've been using it since then. Um, I kind of faded away from it, and I've gone back to it. Instead of seeing everything in your email inbox every single time, and you focus on those things that you haven't got done, I sort them out via this inbox zero process, and then I only see the stuff I need to work on at that point in time. If you haven't read Scott's blo Scott Blow's blog post on this, go check it out. I've got it at the end of this. The other thing I had to do was track my to-do list both at home and at work. 
Um, I started using Todoist for that, and I can show you I've got all my honey-do lists on there for my wife, plus everything I need to get done at work. Lastly, I had to talk my wife into using a shared calendar. There's so many times with kids and with her schedule as a teacher and stuff, I didn't know where we were going. She didn't know where I was going. I'd been trying to get her to do it for years, and now we do it. So I can open up my calendar and see when the kids have Girl Scouts, when they have Taekwondo, when they have whatever, when my wife has stuff, when I have stuff, and we share those for everything. Like I said, I like going dirt track racing. I put all the dirt track races I want to go to on the calendar for like six months out as a, I would like to go to this if we have nothing else going on, and then she knows in advance. The next thing I had to do was make time for myself. Um, as you get busy with work and with your home life, it becomes A, very, very hard to do this, and B, you kind of feel bad that you're getting away from your wife and kids. You feel guilty, right, for taking that time. But if you don't take that time for yourself, you'll have both physical and mental challenges with not only yourself, but your kids. As I was going through this the second time, uh, I had kids at that point in time. And I, taking a step back, could, I could see in my kids that they were starting to mirror things I was doing. The next thing I had to do was positive reflection. I keep track of things that I, like positive things in my life, and I go back and I think about those. As I talked about, I came from a blue collar family. My parents have no post high school education. I've made it through college. Look where I've made it to in my IT career. I've presented numerous times here at VMworld. Don't forget those things that you've accomplished. Don't forget the things that have happened to you, like praise that you've gotten as well, too. Go back and, and look at those as well. What, the next thing I did is I started volunteering. Last year, I went down to Houston for a week with Team Rubicon that I volunteer with and did disaster relief work. When you go down there and you see people in a tent city, it really puts into perspective what you have going on in your life, right? It makes you want to figure things out instead of just setting back and, 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 and focusing on, on things that you don't have. The last thing I do is I reach out to others, all uh, here presenting to you guys. I posted my blog post on the topic, and it's kind of gone out a lot of places. I reached out to people in my community. I have lunch once a week with some people, once every other week with other people, and we talk about how we're doing, how we're doing in life, how we're doing at work, how we're doing at home. We try to keep work stuff out of it. And it works. Reach out to people who are doing simple things that you see that are doing them well. These are some feedback that I've gotten over the last year that I tuck away in that folder that I can go back when I'm starting to be down and remind myself that I'm not as bad as I think I am, right? Um, simple things is I sent an email to or a text message to a friend of mine and wished him Merry Christmas and sent my card to him personally and said uh, I was thinking about you. And then I get a tweet back, you know, publicly saying how much of a classy guy I am. I was having a shitty day that day. Shitty day. And then all of a sudden my notifications pop up and you see that. Take a deep breath. It's not that bad. And move on. First time I gave this presentation, I got home that night. I got this email. Reach out to others because you don't know how much just your experiences can help them. I started crying that night I got this. If I can help somebody else, it's worth it. In conclusion, take back your life. Look for the symptoms in yourself and others. Figure out your strategies and don't give up on them. 
or change to a new one. And finally, pay it forward. Pay it forward like we do with the technical content. Do it with this content as well too. You'll be amazed at how much it'll help you and everyone else. I, if I could spend an hour, I could show you all the amount of people that have messaged me and said, I've been feeling this way for years. I didn't know what to do until I read your blog post. Thank you so much. Finally, here's some resources that if you want to research to go out on your own before talking with others, has very good content at the top, even texting if you're into that stuff. At the bottom, there's a, a Sonia Cuff has a mental health link of other podcasts, um, blog posts, and everything that uh, revolve around depression and IT as well. The Zanarchic Effect by Eric Shanks, um, you might have seen this on some podcasts and stuff. He wrote this just after I posted mine about focusing on tasks. And then the last, Inbox Zero by um, Scott Lowe. And I'm done. <laughs>